One of my favorite movies of all times, and my children can testify to this, is the movie Braveheart. Uh, I probably have seen this movie more than any other movie I've ever watched in my entire life, even when it came out at the theater. Uh, I went to see it several times uh, during its first release, and one of the reasons uh, that I like this particular movie is because it's the story of William Wallace, and William Wallace is one of my ancestors, my family hails from Scotland, and we can trace our family tree uh, back to um, at least a spur of him. He's a part of our, our, our ancestry, uh, and so there's that connection there, but uh, just the life of William Wallace and, and how he uh, fought in overwhelming odds to be able to eventually, through his uh, work and then some others, was able to gain uh, the independence of Scotland, and... Um, if it ever comes on television, if you want a, a good movie, they'll kind of fire you up and kind of uh, make you want to stand up and cheer as this type of movie because uh, it's a movie in which the, the main character overcomes uh, such major odds and, and, and in, in a sense, uh, inspires a whole nation to rise up against the rule of England. Uh, one of the most famous scenes in the movie is uh, right before the Battle of Stirling Bridge, and the Battle of Stirling Bridge was a very important battle as far as the independence of Scotland was concerned because it was at this particular place that um, these clansmen, they didn't have really any kind of government, these were mostly, mostly clansmen, formed themselves together to face an overwhelming force of British soldiers. And there's an awe-inspiring scene at the very uh, beginning of this battle where um, William Wallace is addressing the men there that's about to go into battle and face these overwhelming odds. And one of my favorite uh, sections in the whole movie, you have these particular lines. And I'm sorry it's not showing up better on the screen, but I'll read it to you. It says, I fight and you may die, run and you will live at least for a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom? That's part of the movie you get little goosebumps if you've never seen it before. And then, of course, they overcame those over, uh, overwhelming uh, odds and, and won the battle of the day. Uh, I bring that up because of the fact that all through history there has been um, great conflicts that have taken place and, and what we might perceive to be overwhelming odds that have, that have been overcome. And oftentimes there has been movies made about it. But perhaps one of the greatest conflicts that the world has ever seen, perhaps one of the things when you looked at it from strictly a worldly standpoint, that there was overwhelming odds and there'd be no way in the world that these people could overcome the situation they were in. It would be the situation that uh, Cecil B. DeMille made a movie about many years ago called The Ten Commandments. And there you have uh, Charlton Heston as Moses standing before Pharaoh, who's played by Yul Brenner, and all the young people are saying, who are these people? But those of us who are older knows what this is about. And young people, if you've never had the opportunity to see the Ten Commandments, uh, it's pretty truthful and faithful to the Word of God, and it's also a very awe-inspiring movie. And it also is based on very real 
accounts. You remember how, because of what we're studying in the book of Genesis, um, Joseph and his family ended up in the land of Egypt, and they were given the land of Goshen, and in the land of Goshen, they became very populous and became a nation unto themselves to the point that Pharaoh decided uh, that they were getting out of control, so he put them into slavery. And they were treated very harshly, even to the point that Moses himself saw an Israelite slave being beaten, and he ended up killing the uh, Egyptian slave master and had to flee the country. And how later on God appeared to him in a burning bush and said, I want you to go back to the land of Egypt. I want you to lead my people out of the land of Egypt. I want you to go to Pharaoh, the ruler of the land, and I want you to tell him that you need to let my people go. Folks, this really happened. This is better than any movie we may see on television or better than any story we may hear from other parts of history because this is a confrontation between the people of God and the people of the world, a confrontation between God Almighty and the gods of Egypt. And of course, when Pharaoh heard what Moses wanted him to do, he did not want to let him, the people of Israel go. These were slaves. These were a part of the economy. This is what greased the wheels of the Egyptian society, if you will. And he would lose a major source of economic input if he lost the Israelite people. And of course, because of the hardening of his heart and his refusal to let the people go, God began to send a series of plagues upon Egypt. And as these plagues began to take their toll, Pharaoh started offering up some compromises. He started offering up some things that at first maybe didn't sound so bad on the surface. But when you begin to compromise and you're dealing with someone like Pharaoh, then really all you've done is submitted to his will instead of the will of God. It's interesting, as you read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul tells us in verse 11 that the things that happened to the Israelite people were an example to us who are members of the Lord's church. In fact, it's interesting, at the very beginning of the chapter, he talks about how that Moses is like a deliverer, like Jesus Christ is our deliverer, and how that the Israelite people were baptized like we were baptized, in the sense when they crossed through the Red Sea, there was a cloud of water over them and a wall of water on either side of them, so they were immersed they were covered, they were submerged in that water, and therefore it was a parallel to baptism. And he makes a connection between the congregation of Israel and the congregation of the Lord's people, and he says in verse 11 that, that they are our examples, and the reason why they are examples is that we do not fall for the same things that they fell for. In fact, the passage that Austin read for us a few moments ago reminds us that there was a time when we too were in slavery. But because of Jesus Christ, because of, we, of obeying that form of doctrine that was delivered to us, in fact, the passage says, you were the servants or slaves of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, and behold, now you are the slaves of righteousness. We, before we had a deliverer like Jesus Christ, and we obeyed that form of doctrine being baptized for the remission of our sins. We too were like the Israelite people. 
And now that we're in the, we have been set free as they were in the process of being set free, we need to be careful that we do not fall for some of the same compromises that Pharaoh put on Moses and the Israelite people, hoping they would submit to his will. And Satan does the same thing today. He gives us some compromises that are very uh, parallel to the compromises that we see here in Exodus chapter 8, verses chapter 10. Well, let's look at four compromises uh, this morning and see if we can make some modern-day application. very first compromise that Pharaoh came up to uh, Moses with, as far as them leaving, uh, he says, And Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God here in this land. In other words, if this is all about worship, if this is all about sacrificing to your God, there's no need for you to go anywhere to do this. You can just stay right here, be with us Egyptians. You know, us Egyptians, we have a lot of gods. We do a lot of sacrifices. Y'all just stay here and be amongst us, and we'll just all be one big happy family, and we'll just all sacrifice to our gods together. Well, a little bit later on, Moses points out in the same chapter, he says, well, basically, if we sacrifice to our God among your gods, that's detestable to them. And the implication is, if we sacrifice to our God uh, among you Egyptians, that would be detestable to our God. But yet, the compromise is, it doesn't matter where you worship Moses, it doesn't matter where you serve God, you can worship him in any place you want to. Compromise for us today, especially in the society that we live in, there is a movement, what we might call interdenominational, it's really pushed by the community church movement, that it really doesn't matter where you worship as long as there's love in your heart and there's sincerity in your heart. The Bible is very, very clear, it does matter where we worship, and it does matter how we worship. John chapter 4 and verse 24 reminds us that God is the Spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You need to have the sincerity, you need to have the right kind of heart, but in order for worship to be pleasing to God, it's got to be according to His truth. And though we may not think of it being this way, but if we go someplace where His truth is not being taught and we're worshiping in a way that the Bible does not prescribe a scriptural worship, we, in a sense, are worshiping among the Egyptians. We, in a sense, are worshiping idol worship because we may in our minds be thinking that we're worshiping God, but if we're not worshiping God in the ways that He prescribed, then we're just simply spinning our wheels. It becomes vain worship. In fact, Jesus says, In vain do you worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. It does make a difference where we worship. And we need to understand that on the Lord's day, we need to be with the Lord's people in the Lord's church. Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus has a church. The reason why it's his church, as Acts 20 and verse 28 reminds us, is because he purchased it with his own blood. We want to make sure that we are a part of the Lord's church and we want to make sure that when we worship, we are worshiping with the Lord's church, not something that's other than the Lord's church, and we need to be worshiping in the ways that the Bible prescribes. We need to make sure that we are pleasing to God because that's the only way that's going to be true worship. 
Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 reminds us that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We need to make sure that we understand that it's not okay to go assemble ourselves with somebody else, even if they do call it worship, but instead understand it's the assembling of ourselves together that is pleasing to God, and we have a commandment to do so. Satan says, just like Pharaoh, you you compromise. It doesn't matter where you worship. It doesn't matter how you worship. And after all, we're just all in this together. But just like Moses told Pharaoh all those many years ago, that's just simply not going to work. There's no way in the world that we can worship with your people even more so than they can worship with us. We need to tell Satan it's simply not going to happen. There's not going to be that compromise. But there was a second compromise that Pharaoh came up with. After that, it didn't work, and, and, and he said, well, here's a better plan. He says, I will let you go offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the desert, but you must not go very far. In other words, I don't want you to get out of sight. I don't want you to be too comfortable being away. I want you to kind of hang back just a little bit. Uh, don't, don't, you, you, can, you can be involved just a little bit. You can go just a little bit away from me, but don't go too far. And obviously the compromise that Satan tells us today is, oh yes, you can be a Christian. Oh yes, you can be religious, but don't you go too far into it. Uh, don't you get too involved in it. Instead, you just simply put in the minimal amount of time. You check off the boxes for where you want to make sure that you're doing just enough so you don't have to spend eternity in hell. Uh, But it's not really about love. It's all about duty. Uh, Don't want to go too far into it. Don't want to commit too much of our time and effort. Just want to do just enough, just enough to get by. I don't want to be involved I'd rather be, and you've heard me use this before, I'd rather be a spectator when it comes to the Lord's church instead of a participator. I'm more interested in sitting on the premises than I am standing on the promises. I don't want to be too involved. I'll do just enough to get by. I don't want to be too far gone from where I used to be. The Bible reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, In verse 58, he says, uh, Apostle Paul reminds us that we need to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. To show our faith is strong, how our faith is unmovable, how do we do that? Well, we are constantly, always, not just putting forth some effort, but being abundant in that effort. Reminded of a song we sometimes sing in our songbook, Uh, entitled, Where He Leads Me, I Will Follow. And the chorus of that song reminds me of what's happening here and what we need to do when it says, Where He Leads Me, I Will Follow. Where He Leads Me, I Will Follow. I'll go with Him, with Him, all the way. We need to be people who don't listen to Satan's compromise and says, Oh yeah, it's okay if you're religious. Oh, it's okay if you're involved with a church. But just don't be too involved. Just do the minimum. Just kind of show up and what I need to do is show up. Pharaoh told Moses, oh yeah, you can, you, can, you can worship your God. Go sacrifice to your God. 
But don't you get too far gone. Moses said no, and we need to tell Satan no today also. But then there was a third compromise Pharaoh offered. Uh, These plagues were starting to get to him, and he says, well, something's got to be done here. Let me see if I've even come up with a better compromise. And so later on in chapter 10, it says, Then Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, Go worship the Lord your God, he said. But just who will be going? Moses answered, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and daughters, and with our flocks and herds, because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. Pharaoh said, The Lord be with you if I let you go, along with your women and children. Clearly you are bent on evil. No, have only the men go and worship the Lord, since that's what you've been asking for. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. Folks, do you see the compromise here? Oh, just go ahead. This is what you wanted? Go worship your Lord. Go, go do this worship thing you keep bothering me about. But when you go, just the men are going to go. We're not going to take the women. We're not going to take the children. In other words, you need to make sure you leave your family behind. And of course, Pharaoh understood and appreciated the fact that if the men left the family behind, that they would be returning. If not, they would die out as a nation because there would be no more children and no more women. And of course, the parallel today of what Satan does for us, he's saying, well, once again, you can be religious you can be a Christian. Uh, you, can, you can maybe even be a good Christian in the church. But don't involve your family. Uh, leave your family behind. Folks, this is a sad, sad thing. But second generation Christians fall away more than any other generation of Christians. Now, why is that? Well, it might come down to the fact that oftentimes we as the men in the congregation, we as fathers, fail in our responsibility and in our duty, as Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 tells us, to raise up our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It's funny, sometimes we'll make our children go to the dentist, we'll make our children go to school, we'll make our children do a variety of things because they are children and they need some direction, but when it comes to... Bible class, or it comes to prayer, or it comes to coming to the Lord's assembly on the Lord's day, we say, well, we don't want to make our children do that. They need to come to that conclusion of their own. But We need to understand and appreciate the fact that too many times in life we leave our children in Egypt. We leave them in slavery just simply because we're not oftentimes the leader that we need to be. We need to make sure that as our children grow up, we give them a love for God. We need to make their faith their own faith, but at the same time, you need to explain to them why your faith is your faith. You need to show them the example of Bible study. You need to show them example of prayer. You need to show them the example of being here on the Lord's Day with the Lord's people. You need to show them that God is important in your life. We have the responsibility of not leaving our children behind in Egypt, but make sure they make it to the promised land also. But one final compromise, and then the lesson is yours. As things went on, what did Pharaoh tell Moses next? 
And Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go worship the Lord. Even your children and women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. Now think about that compromise for a moment. Think about the absurdity of that compromise. Pharaoh is basically telling Moses and the Israelite people, all right, you can go ahead and worship. You can go ahead and take your women and children with you. But when you get there, you don't have any means to worship. In fact, later on in the same chapter, Moses explains to Pharaoh, he says, how in the world are we supposed to offer sacrifices to God if there's no sacrifices to be made? Once again, Satan tries to kill us to compromise when he wants us to think about the fact, oh yeah, it's okay to be a Christian. Uh, It's okay to, to claim allegiance to Jesus Christ. But don't you make any sacrifices. Don't you put any of your money in in it. Uh, Don't you do anything that would cost you anything. Instead, you leave your flocks and your herds behind and you really don't make any sacrifices in this thing that's called Christianity. What did Jesus remind us about in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 19? He says that we need to make sure that we do not put our trust in the material things of this life where moth and rust doth corrupt, but instead we need to put our treasures in heaven. In other words, we need to be willing to give something when it comes to Christianity. We need to be willing to give of our time. We need to be, given, be willing to give of our material means, our money. Is it no wonder then that Paul instructed the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2 when he says, let each one of you, in other words, this covers everybody, let each one of you lay by in store as you've been prospered. In other words, on the first day of the week, as he says in verse 1, we need to give unto the Lord. We have an obligation. If the Lord has blessed us, we need to be willing to return those blessings unto him as a sacrifice. And folks, a sacrifice is something that costs us something. You remember when David was on the floor, the threshing floor of Aruna, and he wanted to make a sacrifice there to God because of his deliverance. Uh, the man who owns the place says, well, I'll tell you what, you're the king. I'll just go ahead and let you, just, I'll give you everything that you want here. You don't have to worry about anything. I'll provide everything for the sacrifice. You remember what David told him? How can I sacrifice anything that cost me nothing? If your sacrifice doesn't cost you anything, then it's not really a sacrifice. Living the Christian life oftentimes involves sacrificial living and certainly involves sacrificial giving. Satan helps us too many times in our life. To say we worship God, we've even come together on the Lord's Day and heard preaching and praying and singing and we've gathered around the Lord's table, but we've left our flocks and our herds behind because no sacrifices were made. Don't fall for that compromise. Moses didn't fall for it. He simply told Pharaoh later on in the same chapter, he says, how can we sacrifice if we do not have our animals? And how can we sacrifice if we do not give something that God has given us back? I think the overall thing that we need to understand as we close the lesson this morning is 
that when Moses came to Pharaoh, he says, basically, we're going to do things on God's terms. We're not going to do things on Pharaoh's terms. And in the world today, we need to understand that we need to do things on God's terms, not on Satan's terms. And certainly when it comes to living the Christian life, they need to be according to God's terms. And even this morning, if you have a need to become a Christian, it's not going to be by any other terms but God's terms. You remember at the very beginning of the lesson, and Austin read for us Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 17, he says, You were the servants or slaves of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, and now you are the servants or slaves of righteousness. What was the form of doctrine that was delivered to him? Well, the form of doctrine is talked about in the first part of Romans chapter 6. And how that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, of course, is the gospel and how we emulate that death, burial, and resurrection as we are buried with him in baptism. The old man of sin dies, he is buried, and then he rises to walk in newness of life, just like Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and then rose again on the third day. We obey that form, that pattern, that similitude of doctrine of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ when we, because of our faith, our repentance, and our confession, are baptized in the watery grave of baptism. That is God's terms. Don't let Pharaoh or Satan or anybody else tell you that it's something different. So if you have a need this morning to become a Christian, we invite you to do so. But the majority of us here are Christians, and we hope that we'll never compromise in Egypt or we'll never compromise anywhere else, but always do things on God's terms and never, never, ever compromise. Won't you come as together we stand and sing?